from Studio Day J&J, it's the Happy Wrestling Fan Podcast. And now, here's your host of the Happy Wrestling Fan Podcast, Jeff Minalia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Happy Wrestling Fan Podcast. I am your host, as always, Jeff Manalia. Ladies and gentlemen, we are exactly less than a week away from somebody's birthday. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's right. It's my birthday week. <laughs> I turned 39 on Friday, October 28th. My last year of my 30s. Doesn't feel like it, though. Well, at least mentally. Physically, yeah, I can feel it. But mentally, eh, not really. I'm still, I don't know. Anyway, I'm still young at heart. But, um, looking forward to this week. I'm on vacation this week, so that's another plus. But as always, folks, welcome to the show. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash the Happy Wrestling Fan Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, At this point, I should just delete the Twitter. I'm sorry. At Happy Fan Pod. (laughs) I I, I don't use it. I I don't know. I just just don't. And then listen and subscribe to us on the following platforms. Anchor, Breaker, Doodle Pod, Podcast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Today's main topic of discussion... In honor of the Halloween season, I wanted to do the history of a gimmick match and list, rank, rather, my, you know, from worst to first of my favorite matches of that type of match. And this year's topic, I went with the casket match. Boy, what a what a what a what a start to this idea for Halloween. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was something. No, it was a lot of fun actually to, to go back and look at all the at the history and stuff of the Taster match and um, watching all these matches back uh, and stuff like that. It, a lot of, brought a lot of memories back, so. You will hear that later on today in the show. But as always, um, so this week's Over the Top is the main topic of discussion, really. Basically, is what I'm getting at. But right now, before we get to that, let's uh, you know get to the follow-ups, news, and wrestling that's made me happy recently. Right now.
All right, guys. We have got some stuff coming up. What stuff, you asked? Good question. Let me see. For example, November 4th, we have the next um, First View Friday episode that will be out. And I decided, I, I, I thought about it. And decided, you know what, last year, I didn't know November, I remember, that was ECW. This year, I'm pretty sure I've seen all the Survivor Series. I, I, I truly do believe I've seen them at some point in my life, all of them. But this year, since we're going to be so Survivor Series-centered, holy shit, Survivor Series-centered, say that three times fast, uh... We're going to be in November that I decided let's switch gears over to WCW. I don't know why I said it like that. And so as a result, and this gets a little ahead of my timeline, but I'm going to be watching for the first time ever WCW World War III 1997. Uh, I was watching WCW at the time. But obviously, 1997 especially, definitely did not order World War Three. Definitely ordered Survivor Series that year. And of course, that year was infamous for many reasons. One of the big reasons, obviously, was the Montreal Screw Job. So yeah, I think I made the right choice there as far as um history making goes but yeah i i mean you know i'm i'm up for it and i kind of like i kind of dug the world war three concept with three wings it's like a bit you know thir- 60 men three wings 20 men in each ring battle royal type thing and then you got you know last men enter you know in the middle ring and then it was it was a fun concept so fun that I incorporated it in my FidFed uh, days. I remember. Only I did it. I didn't, I didn't do a battle royal style. I did a royal rumble style. So I had. I was. I made the damn thing even longer. Um. But yeah. Nevertheless, so that's gonna be the first few Friday for next month for the for the, for the month of November. November's pay per view. Uh, WCW. It's the 25th anniversary of the WCW uh, World War Three pay-per-view. So, coming up. So, yeah. Tonight, on dpwondemand.com, you can see the DPW Carolina Classic. I just spoke with my brother, who watched it live. I was busy doing something else. Um, he said it was good. He said it was great, actually. So I'm looking forward to looking. I'm looking forward to watching that and giving you all the results. Uh, next episode, which is coming up on November fifth. And by the way, speaking of the November fifth episode, uh, that is when I will pull. 
the next names for the Survivor Series team. Sweet Sixteen Single Elimination Tournament 2022. Hell yeah, we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. It was, I think it was, it was a lot of fun last year. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I mean, at least I had fun. I can't attest for the brother and Christopher, but I had fun. That's all that matters. Um, no, no, it doesn't. They had fun too. It was a, it was a fun episode. I mean, we got some of the funniest clips from that episode. Uh, to do in the in the in the um, in the year review uh, show uh, in the blue reveal. I mean, it it was just you know, Roger Ronnie Garvin. Case in point, Roger Ronnie Garvin. That's all I'm saying. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to last year's episode. It was a lot of fun. Um, so now comes the part. Where we get into wrestling that's made me happy recently. Full disclosure, I've seen everything except this week's, this past week's uh, SmackDown and Rampage. But other than that, I watched everything else. So I, I did a little better catching up this week um, but I won't be talking about Rampage or Smackdown from this past yesterday because I, I don't know what happens so I mean I I, I read I read about it I, I know certain things that happened at least I read about this I read about the Rampage results so there was something I wanted to find out if it happened or not I'm gonna. I have a DVR. I I should watch it, but I I wanted to record this first, um, and then I'll go back and watch it, and we can talk about it next episode, maybe. Nevertheless, let's get started. So wrestling that's made me happy recently, starting with um, what are we starting with? Hold on, starting with. Come on, where are we going? Raw from October 10th, 2022. The first Raw, the post Extreme Rules Raw, if you will. Which, by the way, um, if you're wondering, in case you didn't listen to last week's episode, Last week's episode was late, and because it was late, because I recorded it on a Sunday, I just, as a, as a, as a compromise, I decided to do results from Extreme Rules, the last episode, um, instead of this week's episode that I normally would have done. So normally this would have been where I do the Extreme Rules results, but... Since I was late with the last episode, I, uh, I I did it last episode. 
So, because I did it live. So, I mean, it was on a, the pay per view was on Saturday, and I recorded it on a Sunday. So I figured, why not? Since I watched it, I might as well, you know, do it or do the results now as a time prize. Nevertheless. Bloodline tits off the show. Season premiere of... Uh, no, actually, the Edge tits off the show. Uh, Ed Spot, Road Dog, and Michaels are in the bat. And then he's, they got uh, Triple H involved. And Triple H is saying, oh, guys, look, you know, 25 years. Yeah, it's a, great, but it's not just that. It's also the the twenty the, the, the season premiere, you know. We got sponsors. We can't do anything. Look, no swearing. We can't say no genitalia jokes, you know, and then Vodog goes, penis! Can we say penis? And then Ed Spot uh, swears, and then Sean's like, oh, he said penis, and he said, and then bleep it out, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, just, 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 you know, what you'd expect from uh, Degeneration X, uh, or DJ-iatric as uh, Road Dog called him later at the end of the night. But, uh, guys, oh, man. I, you know, they, it's wild to me that essentially Triple H and Shawn Michaels, the two who formed D-Generation X, are now in charge of the whole damn company. I know technically it's... Stephanie and uh, Nick Khan, but they're just running things, and it's just, it's wild. It is wild. Then the bloodline come out, and Jey Uso, you know, he's being dealt with from Roman, but Sammy interrupts and says, you know, since you told me I'm in charge of him, let let me handle, you know, Jay. And then, uh, you know, he just... He's trying to say, hey, you know, just, just try and stuff. Just, just be cool, you know. Everyone else is cool, you know. Me and Solo are cool. You know, me and Jimmy, we got the thing, you know, yeet. You know, the, we got the thing going. They do this handshake and they do the yeets. Uh, freaking, uh, all of a sudden, Matt Riddle comes out and challenges Roman for another, as he, he wants another title shot. Even though he said he was he wouldn't get one if he beat him, which he did, Roman did, so but uh Roman's like, nah, but he's like, Well let me at least fight one of your boys then, you know. And then uh Sammy interrupts and he's like, What are you doing? you know? You uh, you know, you, you disrespecting us or something? And, he, and then he's mentioned, I forgot, somewhere in the promo he said yeet. And then Riddle kept repeating yeet. First of all, I am 39 years old. I have no idea what the fuck yeet means. <laughs> okay? I know. These kids today with their language and their hip, hips, you know. Oh my god, I feel like 39 going on 70. Listen, um, <laughs> but... Nevertheless, Riddle kept repeating it. Sammy's like, you can't say that, you know. We could say that, you know, he just said, he just said, you, you, you can't really say that. This is respectful. And then Riddle's just, shit-eating shit, shit 
eating grin on his face. He just goes, okay, yeet. You know, what the fuck? Whatever. Nevertheless, this led to a match between Sammy and uh, and uh, Riddle later in the night. So that was that was a fun segment. Um, Roman tries to get Jay and checks. Excuse me. Later on, and um, nevertheless, you got Johnny Gargano. Taking on Austin Theory. This was actually a pretty damn good match. I'm not going to lie. As much as I disliked Theory. But I'm even more happier that Gargano won with the one final beat for the win. It was a great match. Great stuff. Rey Mysterio fought Chad Gable. Okay. Well, that was a thing that happened. Uh, Rey Mysterio beat Chad Gable. And then out comes Judgment Day. Zria and, and uh, Dominic. Dominic still wants him to, you know, hit him. He wants Rhea to hit his, you know, his own son. Dominic pushes Ray around. Then he slaps him. Then he, uh, then Balor and Priest try to get involved. And Ray's fighting him off. All of a sudden, <laughs> excuse me. All of a sudden, uh, uh, what happens? Holy shit, did that sneeze uh, lose my train of thought? What the fuck? All of a sudden, oh yeah, Diamond attacks, attacks Ray, and Ray holds him down. Raya, excuse me. Raya holds Ray. Ah, uh, dents the ropes, and then Dominic sits when nine is his own father. And, uh, to the distrust of the commentators and, uh, everyone else. And then they do, they try to promo post, uh, post beatdown. And Ray's just, Ray's distraught. He's upset. You know, he's, he's, he just leaves in distrust. And, um,. Judgment say say how much they like they they own raw and stuff like that. One thing I do like about these Judgment Day moments, I really like that that tool shadow effect. If you notice when they're in the ring and they got the the, the the white shadows on the bottom, I don't know how the fuck they do that, but it's pretty cool. Um, I will say, it's like full silhouettes. You can almost see of them when they when the it, it's really cool. I don't know how they do it. It's just it's so cool. Maybe it's something to do with the black light and the, I, I don't know, but it's very cool. Um, then they call out AJ Styles. Well, Finn calls out AJ Styles, and AJ Styles comes out and it looks like he's like, "Look, I need family, you know. At a time like this, I need I need my brothers, you know." And uh, so he he embraces Finn. And Finn's like, oh, I'm so glad you came to your senses, AJ. And then AJ, you know, goes, I wasn't talking about you. And then all of a sudden, the Good Brothers music hits. Gallows and Anderson are back in WWE. Uh, and they are here to take down the Judgment Day. So then they brawled the Judgment Day and then Judgment Day retreated. 
and it was a big thing and it was an awesome thing and yeah Mrs. Birthday Celebration was interesting segment uh Maria started a bat signed by one of the Cleveland Guardians players um Jose something I forgive me I'm not a Cleveland Guardians fan uh Sorry, Cleveland. If anyone, if anyone in Cleveland is listening to this, I apologize. Um, and then they gave him two big balls, like medicine. You know, this big ball trick, this big ball joke is is getting kind of redundant at this point. But it, it to each his own. And then he opens another gift, and it's. Basically, that's to hiding under the table, and he, he has his head through the gift. Or he he had his head through the table, and then he put the box back over him, and he took the bat, and he started swinging the bat, and uh, he wasn't under the table, or he got away. And then he came from behind Miz and did the, the submission that he does, which then made Miz kick Maurice into the take, and then uh, he took the, uh, and then they retreated. And then he took the the tape knife, and he punctured the balls with it, <laughs> the big balls. And uh, he ate some cake, and then just that was the end of that segment. Uh so, uh, when we come back, Miz is talking with uh, Aston. He sees DX and he's asking, like, "Where's Hunter? You know, you know, that's the ruin my, you know, birthday celebration. He ruined my gifts, and he's holding the big deflated balls." And uh, Road Dog out of nowhere makes a makes a match. That hey, you know, isn't that sweet? You wanna, you wanna, you want. Dead to Dawn for good, you gotta beat him in a match. And if he wins, um, he gets a contract. If you, I mean, if you win, he'll leave and you know, for good, and he won't ever bother you again. But if if you lose, that's just the contract. So, you know, he accepted it and so on. And um, so that's what's coming up in a little bit, however. Up next was supposed to be Lashley and Rollins for the United States Championship. Well, Lashley's coming out, and he calls out Rollins. Says, you beat him once, but let's go. You know, I'll beat you again. Who comes out? But, but, fucking Lesnar. <laughs> Damn it. What? When are we going to? You know what, though? After that SummerSlam match, I will say... I'm kind of slowly becoming a Brock fan yet, and I'm not gonna lie. But um, <laughs> uh, so Brock comes, and these two immediately Brock says, you know, hello, and then he uh, <laughs> then he f5s uh, Lashley, I think twice, if I'm not mistaken. He suplexes them too. And, uh, you know, Lashley was supposed to be in a fight against Seth, so 
the match still goes on. Here comes Seth. And all of a sudden, you see um, Seth become the new United States champion. So that happened. Um, and then I... <laughs> and then... Uh, Shit. Hold on a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. I missed... For whatever reason... Oh, no. No. The main event was Riddle and Zane, and I did not put that in my notes. Um, yeah. Riddle and Zane was after that. And uh, Sammy didn't want help from Jay when Jay tried to help. So then they said, oh, he's got this, he's got this. So Sammy lost and ended up losing. It was a great match between Riddle and Sammy. But in the end, Riddle did the RKO and then he lost the match, did Sammy. And then immediately after that, um, Diaz came out and did the reunion. Wasn't very big thing. Just a you know, I mean these guys are like I said, they're in their prime. They're 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 they past their prime, all of them. I will say, Waltman looks in great shape. I mean, I've seen him. Um, Probably the best shape of all of them is really the guy who wasn't there, and that was Billy. But, um, which they made a comment about. Uh, and the commentary goes, Billy's doing something with office supplies now. It's, uh, it's I was something like that. I don't know. Um, but, uh, so yeah, overall it was not a bad show. Um, we move on to Dynamite then in Toronto. And Renee Paquette is all elite. The, you know, Mrs. Moxley herself. So, welcome Renee to AEW, officially. It's pretty cool. Um, and then I liked uh, Luchasaurus was Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I would have liked to have seen it maybe at Full deer, you know, let the the feud build a little bit more on us. We're doing a rematch, maybe. Um, maybe. I'm not sure. And uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, so... Oh, God. Wardrow fought a couple people, and I can't remember who they fought. Oh, the Fat Three. And then after that match, uh, the embassy came out from Lunarana, you know, Gates of Agony and Brian Cage and Prince Nana, and uh, they started talking trash about Wardrow and uh, FTR, which led the FTR out, and... He said, since they already worked, Warjo already had a match, 
you know, there's three of you guys, we'll take you on, you know, on Rampage. And I think we have the perfect partner. And he goes, hey, what time does Rampage start again? And Cash is like, ten. 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 And then out comes Sean Spears, the return of Sean Spears. And, uh... So that led to a match with them on on Rampage. Uh, Swerve Strickland fought Billy Gunn. Good match until Swerve cheated in the end to win. To which, Smart Mark came out and had the audacity, the audacity to use his power of attorney skills and, 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 what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, hold on. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. Copyright? Or own the rights to scissor me. Um, that's wild. So, so, they can't scissor anymore, the, uh, the acclaimed, or Billy Gunn, daddy ass, rather. And if they do... You know, Mark will sue him for everything they got. And all the shirt sales, you know, the money goes to him now and stuff like that. Um, after that, Mox and Hainman. Hell of a promo. Hell of a promo by both men in their confrontation leading up to the title match. Hangman, especially man, Hangman, he can he he. Hold on, hold on. I'm doing. He can work. Uh, he can talk rather. Um. Just, it's so. It's so wild. So then, basically, he he gets called. Um. So he goes, you know, you called me a kid last week. I screenshotted the thing. He's like, you called me a kid last week. After all the compliments, is that how you feel about me? Am I a kid to you? And then, uh, March goes, yeah, that's exactly what I think about you. I don't think you're the guy who knocked me off a 20-foot ladder one year ago. Next week, if you got the chance to take a shot at me, I don't think you've got the guts to pull the trigger. And then he goes, Page responds, I hesitated and tossed me the championship. For all that I did, I'm left with nothing. Uh, so I'm not, the, you know, so I'm not the same. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. The medicine is not working, but I'm still here because I am a man. And then he busts, him, he busts himself open. Um, it, it was, it was very powerful promo. And uh, was looking forward to the match on uh, on Tuesday, but unfortunately, well, we'll get to that later. But uh, so yeah, very great promo from Marks and Hainman there both. Jericho vs. Danielson three. Well, it happened. What I thought wouldn't happen happened. Unfortunately, uh, Garcia 
chose sports entertainment over professional wrestling. When he turned on Brian Danielson. Thus led Jericho uh, did the win, retained the title, and I don't know. That was what it was. Good match, though. But I, to me, I don't think I wish Brian won. I I, I I really did, and I wish Garcia didn't go back to Jericho. That kind of didn't seem right to me. Uh, it was weird. I don't know. Speaking of weird, speaking of wild, so Orange Cassidy fought Pac in the main event for the All Atlantic Championship, and. Just when it looked like Pac was going to use the hammer again, Cassidy, Orange punches him. Orange punches him again. Cassidy won the All-Atlantic Championship from Pac. I mean, it was... It was wild. I did not see that coming at all. Um, Here I was saying how happy I am about Pat holding two titles, and now he's back to one with the the trio's title. But um, but yeah, it was wild. So there was that, and then I actually happened to do, I did happen to watch that rampage um, because I stayed over at my parents' house that night that week because of the garage sale that we had the next day. So I got to see SmackDown and Rampage last week, just not this past week. Um, SmackDown, Drew assaulting Terry and Cross in the parking lot, causing him to miss out on a uh, title shot opportunity later down the line. Uh, Zane and Kingston had a great match. Uh, Sammy Zane and Kobe Kingston a great match. This time, Jay did help Sammy win. Um, get the win. Uh, Bonin almost had a, com- a confrontation. That's, uh, my God, that's going to be a, that's going to be something. I mean, almost as huge. And he's the only man that I know of bigger than, uh, Showman, so it's gonna be a very interesting match. Uh, LA Knight is back. I miss Eli Drake. LA Knight is back, and he beat Mansois, um, of the Maxim male models. So that was the thing, and then uh, the main event for that was. Sheamus, Ricochet, uh, Solo, and was supposed to be Cross, and the winner faces uh, the Intercontinental title. Uh, it's an Intercontinental title shot. The fourth person ended up being Rey Mysterio. 
as it looks like Ray was going to retire because he can't face his son. You know, he can't, he won't face his son Dominic on Raw. He doesn't want to pay him. So then he talked to Triple H about it, and Triple H and him talked. And instead, so now we got Ray on SmackDown again. So I actually was looking forward to this match a couple times. It was good back and forth between Ray and Ricochet. I actually wouldn't mind a one on one match with Ray and Ricochet. That'll be pretty badass. Was I surprised that Ray won? Honestly, yes. Because now he's got to go up against Walter. I'm sorry, Dunther. Jesus Christ. Either way, it's like, what the hell is going on? Um, I wouldn't want to face Gunther. You know, that... I mean, I know he's he's fought bigger people before and overcome them, but... Yeah, I did a little bit that way. You don't wish you wanted... You don't wish you would face your son after you face a guy like Walter. Gunther... I, you know what, fuck it. He's waltzing to me. I don't give a shit. And then, uh, interesting Bray, not interesting, like the Bray return promo, it was real. It felt real. You know, he spoke from the heart. And then it was a really weird, like, demon on the screen or whatever the hell. It's a new character that I, you know, Bray hasn't introduced us to yet. Um,. Very interesting what comes out of that. If something already has, I don't know. Because like I said, I didn't watch or DVR SmackDown yesterday. I forgot. So we're going to have to just see uh, what happens. Um, and then like I said, Rampage that day. Uh, I watched it. Mox and Claudio defeated Butcher and Blade. That was a great match. Ethan Page, good to see him wrestle again. Uh, beat Isaiah Cassidy, and the and the uh, the stipulation was if he beats Isaiah Cassidy, then Private Party and Matt Hardy's contracts get sent to the firm with Stokely Hathaway. So now they owe they now own the contracts of Private Party and um, uh, Matt Hardy. Uh, FTR versus FTR and Spears against the Embassy was a great match. They ended up winning that. FTR and Spears did. But and then after the match, the Kingdom debuted. Matt Taven, Maria Tonellis, and uh, excuse me, Maria Tonellis Bennett and uh, Mike Bennett. So. They're in, uh, they're representing Ring of Honor, but I, they're in All Elite now. Whether or not they're All Elite, All Elite is to be determined, but interesting to see where that develops. Um, and then Raw, there's a lot of, this is why I, this segment, <laughs> I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. But that's okay. That's good. That's a lot. Um, then we're off from this past week. 
Started off with uh, Lesnar and Lashley brawl. Like, they really went at it. And, uh... Dread Brothers had a return match. The first return match, and they beat Alpha Academy. Really liked the Seth and Mustafa Ali confrontation. And that, uh... But, I will say that... That, uh when he threw him into the freaking post, he set through Ali into the post. That looked brutal. My God. Um, then we get an appearance from Jindo BL. Uh, my, the, the, the flood pants on this man. What the fuck was he wearing? Why, why does he not have a, he's, does he not have a tailor? Why? The, the, the suit on him looked like the freaking suit you got on that figure, that Vince McMahon figure that came with the, you know, the the, the, the one-piece suit. I, I don't know. It was, it looked ridiculous. Uh, he looked ridiculous. And then he introduces Baron Corbin because, well, first of all, thank God his name is bad, bad to Baron Corbin, but can we do something about the fucking music, please? Because I miss Baron Corbin of old when he was, like, more of a badass and not a dipshit. But, um, you know, at least he's better than Torben, and I guess that's a plus. Torben fought Zidler in a great match, uh, with Torben winning, and I guess is, is, is JBL the manager now of Torben? That's great, because I can't stand either one of them. Um, AJ fought Dominic to a good match only to be uh, only to lose Dominic when thanks to the interference from uh, Judgment Day and then Miz was supposed to fight uh, Dexter Loomis this week well, earlier in the show, uh, Miz looked to be quote unquote injured, and uh, then Johnny Dardano said, "Oh my God, is that that Loomis?" When when Miz was in the, the training room, and then Miz jumped up, like he wasn't hurt anymore. And uh, Johnny Johnny went, oh no, it was just Byron Saxon. Just Byron was interviewing him at the time. Um, and Byron's like, Miz, you you recovered. Nevertheless, I guess basically Johnny told Miz, you know what you have to do if you just tell the truth. Um, you can get out of it about what you really did to him. And he just, I didn't do anything to him. I was the victim, blah, blah, blah. So, so, so there's something more brewing uh, in with this than, uh, than meets the eye, if you will. So I, looking forward to what comes out of that. But then the match was supposed to take place, but Miz attacked him before the bell, before the, Miz... Loomis made his way down and Miz attacked him from behind with a chair 
and assaulted him with a chair and then did the stall-twisting finale onto the chair, onto the ramp, thus not having the match and uh, not giving that's the contract. So <coughs> maybe we'll see that something happen at either Crown Jewel or um, Survivor Series between those two. We shall see what happens there. Elias returned. And just as he was trying to get ready to perform, uh, the new his new song, Riddle, comes out. Because Riddle's scheduled to face Seth again for the United States title. Um, Riddle interrupts. He said he's a big fan of Elias. He bought his bondos. He's like, hey, you want to hit my bond? I don't think that's what you'd call one bondo, but that's okay. That's it's it's riddle. It's yeah. So is that no man, I'm I'm good. I don't I don't do that kind of stuff. But listen, I I'm excited to do the songs if you just let me do it. And so yeah, I'm I'm sorry, but so he's he's sitting there and he was about to do his song and then all of a sudden Seth interrupts and then we did the match, uh Seth versus Riddle. To which, uh, towards the end, Seth wanted Elias to hit Riddle so that he gets disqualified. But uh, no, he wasn't going to do that. And then instead, Seth super hits Riddle, uh, Elias on the outside. And then he, that caused him to come in later. Um, only to have Matt bump into Elias... And then Seth do the stomp on him. And Seth then also does the stomp on uh, Elias post-match after he beat Riddle. But then Ali comes back out. And that's how we end the show. So that was pretty cool. The fact that we actually ended the show with the U.S. title again was pretty cool, actually. Because that's I remember that's how we used to do... When it was, uh, when Brock was the, you know, or Roman was the, you know, paper, he was the, he wouldn't be on every week and they had to have to defend the title, you know, it made it relevant again. I like where this is going with Ali and, uh, and Seth. Um, because I've been a fan of Ali's, you know, he's from Chicago, so any fellow Chicago wouldn't have to be a fan of. Um, well... Same point, but uh, nevertheless, it's still a good show, uh, good, good way to end the show, I thought. And then we go finally go over the last this past this past Tuesday's dynamite. Couple things first of all, the best friends fought Death Triangle, Pot tried to use the hammer, Penta, not Penta. Phoenix told him not to use the the hammer. He doesn't need to use it. We can still beat him without cheating. And that's exactly what they did. They ended up beating him without cheating. And um, they retained the Sitzpat uh, titles. The, the, excuse me, the, the trio's titles. <sighs> Riedel and MJF. Riedel and MJF. Let me just let me just start 
by saying how much I it's MJF is fan fucking tastic. I mean, he is incredible. He's an incredible talker. He's an incredible wrestler. You know, it's wild how real his promos get. Like, he, it's definitely blurred between if that was real or not. It made, it really made you think if he just said it for the promo or if that he was actually really saying like real life shit. You know how he wanted to like kill himself when Weedle told him, uh, come back when you make a name for yourself and, you know, he, he didn't give him a shot. Or just, I mean, it's just, you could feel, it was, it was, it was, it was very, it was, it was very surreal. Just watching that. I fucking, I, just, after that whole segment, I fucking clapped for MJF. Let, let it be known right now. Let it be known right now. If MJF does now, spoiler alert, at the end of the show, he he cashes in his chip, but he wants Mox at 100. Well, I already spoiled that too, but more on that in a bit. You know what? Fuck it. We'll turn back to it. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm jumping ahead here. We'll turn back to it. But my God, MJF is becoming one of my favorites. A recent day, and it's just he's he's he, he might yeah he's sure he's an asshole, but I don't know if he's slowly transitioning into a new face. I don't know what he's doing, but it he's doing something, and he's making me a fan. That's all I know. Um, Jericho versus Dalton Castle. Oh yeah, so Dalton by the way challenged Jericho on. Uh, Rampage last week. I forgot to mention that. Um, so that was the thing. Dalton's incredible. Too bad he lost. But his entrance was fantastic with the boys. And, uh, you know, he's the party peacock. And um, I hope I hope he gets a contract to AEW. But I know he's representing Ring of Honor, which is also owned by Tony and... AEW. I don't know. It's 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 it is what it is. Um post match Jericho was done go after Vitabani. But who comes out to to stop him but Jerry Lynn? Now Jerry Lynn got tombstoned and you know Jerry's net problems, you know we couldn't believe he got tombstoned. Like you don't fucking Tombstone, Jerry Lynn. How dare you, you bastard. So, Jericho, I, you know, I, it, I was a fan of the JAS and the, the whole thing. This is time, this is time getting, ah, not a fan of the Ocho. 
I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. This whole thing's starting to get a little ridiculous now. I mean, cheating every week and just, I mean, being, it's just, it's just too much. It's getting too much. Um, so then, Mox and Adam Page. It was a great match for what it was. And then, unfortunately, um, one bid uh, King Kong Lariat from Moxley. It didn't even look like he got hit that hard. I don't know. I mean, he looked at, maybe it did, but maybe it didn't. Unless he landed, unless it was the way he landed, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell. But somehow, Hanman was seriously injured. Uh, it was a concussion. Ref stopped the match. They didn't show it. They didn't show the doctors take him out. They didn't show it. They, they, you know. But the concern looked on the face of like Taz and like you know the, the other commentators, and they're trying to keep the show moving along, but they. They were. They couldn't help but be, you know, concerned for Handman, as we all were, at that moment. Uh, Mark sat on the mic and he said, you know, prayers to Handman that he can walk again, that he can talk again, that he play with his baby boy again, you know. And he can. I think he's had discharge and he's okay. He's just under concussion protocol right now. But man, that was scary. Uh, scary situation. So then, now I can say finally how uh, uh, what was I saying? What uh, was what, what, the, what the hell was I saying? Oh yeah, now I can say how MJF. So MJF comes out and cashes in his chip, but he said he wants Mox at a hundred percent. So then he made the challenge at full deer. Now this is what I wanted to say. I'll tell you right now, if MJF does not beat Moxley at full gear, I, I, I have no, then, then I'm, I will start to question Tony's booking. (laughs) Because there's absolutely no way he's talking all this Shit. There's no way you don't have him back it up at full gear. Absolutely no way. Moxley's already been a three-time champion. Moxley was put in the position, let the man take his vacation. Damn it. He deserves his vacation with his family. Let him have some time off after the after full gear. Please. Tony, please, for the love of God, make MJF your champion. We haven't had, if he's considered a, I don't know what he's considered anymore. If he's a heel or if he's a face now, or slowly to become a face. I don't know. Whatever he is, let him be champion. Please, I beg of you. He deserves it. He absolutely deserves it. Alright. Right, well I'm done. So that was that was the best thing that's made me happy this week. And uh Yeah.
It was a lot. <laughs> oh, boy. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Like I said, too much, actually, I think. But it is what it is. Up next is our main topic of discussion slash over-the-top segment of the top 20 uh, WWF WWE casting matches of all time. Right now. Over the top is the segment where you, the listener, send me, the host, a territory and a number of said territory, and I go over the top list of whatever territory you give me. For example, you give me top five finishers, I'll list off my top five finishers. So, main topic time, which also doubles as over the top this week. Um, so, last time I did something bid like this was uh, back in April this year for Undertaker's. I ranked every single Undertaker uh, WrestleMania match from worst to first. This time, I decided, you know, the Halloween season is upon us. We're about, what is it, nine days? Yeah, we're nine days away from Halloween um, at, at the time of this recording. So I figured, why not do... Some sort of Halloween themed match. Like what what coincide like what uh what coexists with how like what type of match coexists with Halloween? So I got to thinking. Um and I thought, well cast it match, you know? Uh, now those other match types I could have did. Uh, now that I think of it, there's some that I wish I could have did uh, that was shorter, um, with a shorter history. But this was actually pretty fun to do. I will say, it took a while, but uh, you know I I I knocked a few out day by day, or night by night I should say. Um, also, a couple, couple things. Uh, so, I, originally, I saw on a list as to how many there were in WWF history. WWF, WWE history. And uh, it originally said 20. When I read the list, I realized one of the matches on said list was from an in your house but it was a dark match so I couldn't count it 
So then I ended up with 19 of, you know, the best caster matches. And I'm like, well, that's kind of an odd number. I didn't like that. So there's a couple exceptions. Um, and the exception is uh, it had to be televised. It had to be a televised match. However, due to the fact that it ended up being 19, I had to, I wanted to include one. And technically, it is on network. And technically, it is... I mean, in the network slash Peacock. And I think it did air on TV, but like maybe only in New York. Because during the match, they took a commercial break. So it's like, wait, what? But it wasn't on TV. Unless, like I said, maybe just in New York only it was on TV. Maybe like MSG or something, the MSG channel or something. Because that's where the show took place. It was in MSG. It was the the the, the live event match between um, Vader and Undertaker. Caster match. It was a week prior to WrestleMania 13. It could be found in the old stool section on the network and on the uh, Peacock. So I counted that. Now, I'm sure there might have been some at like other house shows or live events, but I didn't include those. I didn't really see any. Interesting to note, though, prior to a little history, if you will, prior to the original first ever um, coffin match, it was called at the time. That's what it was introduced as. Um, at Survivor Series 92 with Tater and Kamala. Prior to that, a year prior to that, um, Ultimate Warrior would actually be the first to taste the... Uh, to, to feel the wrath of the Tater and uh, Funeral Parlor segment in April of 91... And um, well, he and on superstars. And I remember this one as a kid. It starred me for life. I was like, no, he can't be. You know, warrior, wake up, boy. You know, little little Jeffy was uh, <laughs> was 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 sad that day. Um, after what Taker did to him, and I think after what Taker did to him, I think this is one of the reasons why. My grandpa Tony hated uh, <laughs> hated Undertaker so much because <laughs> I think he was there too when, when I watched it because <laughs> he was a big Warrior and Hogan fan. So he hated Warrior. No, he hated uh, Taker because he beat Hogan for the title once and he hated uh, Taker because he put Warrior in a coffin. Every time, it would be the funniest thing. Every time Tato would come on screen when we would watch wrestling with my grandpa Tony, he would, he would, he would look at the TV in, in disgust because he, he could not stand the Undertaker. He did not like the Undertaker at all. It was pretty hilarious. 
I got off on a tangent. I apologize. Uh, what I was saying was, so he stuffed him in a casket at the funeral parlor segment on Superstars. And then a few months later, I discovered um, not only would they fight in a body bag match at a house show, but also, um, and for whatever reason, it's on YouTube, but I did not include it in the list because, it, it, like I said, it was a live event. But it was technically the first ever casting match, not... It's like, okay, it's a, considered the first ever casting match, um, Taker versus Ultimate Warrior, right? Which, by the way, Warrior won, uh, did, did his revenge on Taker. Um, the thing about it is, is, and that happened in like, July of 91, the thing of it is, is it's on YouTube. I, I just discovered it a few days ago when I was doing my research. Um, and there's no commentary. It's just, you know, one-on-one, just them and then. But then I did more research, and I discovered they were in a body bag match um, on a July 1st, 91 uh, house show. But that one had commentary. So I wonder if that's on a network somewhere or something. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I really don't I don't think so. But nevertheless, I did not count house shows. With the exception of this Vader theater. Only because it's te- it's definitely on the network and Peacock. And I needed a 20. You know, I need, I, I wanted to round it out at an even number. Instead of a... Even though... Okay. Even though when I did... Taters WrestleMania Street, it was 27. Uh, yeah, but regardless, I originally had in mind that it was going to be 20 matches I was covering. So, damn it, I'm covering 20 matches. All right. Excuse me, I was finishing my drink. Also, the very first coffin match believe it or not, was in the 1970s in Houston that featured Dusty Rhodes and Ivan Koloff. So, they were the, uh, they were the true innovators. They were, they were the true debut of that match. Um, but Undertaker, Undertaker truly was the one who um, made it his signature, per se, he obviously was in the most casting matches, um, just because of his, you know, who he was. But as you will soon find out, but there was only a couple that he wasn't in um, that are on this list also. But let's get started. Number started with number twenty. What I thought was the worst casket match ever. Um, simply because there was no winner. Kane versus Undertaker from October 19th, 1998, Raw. It was the first ever casket match on Raw. Um, 
What's ironic about this raw? It was the day after. Oh, what was it? The day after. Hold on. It was the day after. Shit. Uh, the day after shit. No. What was the. Shit. Hmm. All right. Hold on. I didn't think I had to do this right away, but I do. Let me think. Uh, was there a. Let me think. Judgment. It's either two. It's either two things: Judgment Day or No Mercy, and I don't know which. Um, which. So I'm seeing right now. Oh uh, yeah. Definitely was. Yeah, okay. So it was Judgment Day. So it was the it was the raw after Judgment Day uh ninety-eight. Which also meant that it was the raw um, where Austin hunted down Mr. McMahon after he was fired the previous night on Judgment Day um, for not uh, abiding by, not making there be a new champion. Uh, he he pinned the he uh, the ma title match between Tate and Taker ended up being. Uh, no contest because of uh, Austin, which to which Austin then was fired, and uh, thus setting up the Survivor Series Deadly Game tournament um, that year, which we all know the Rock won there. But um, yeah, this so. Kane. This was also when I'm pretty sure um, Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I wrote that down on my notes. He uh, realigns himself Undertaker realigned himself with Paul Bearer. Um, and he told Paul Bear turned his back on Kane. And this is basically the early beginnings of the ministry, if you will. Um, also, this this was... So then, uh, Kane made the challenge. This is when he talked with the voice box. He made the challenge to Tater, challenging him to a casket match, to which Undertaker accepted. But as I said, the match ended in a no contest when both men... Uh, ended up inside the casket at one point in the match, and the uh, and they destroyed it from the inside. So with with no casket, there was no winner. Now the thing about it is, is uh, 
throughout the night, you know, when Austin's hunting down Vince, he finally catches him, so he's holding him hostage, and he's he's got a bow and arrow and a and a, and a you know a rifle. Um, he made a wager with Vince before the match if uh, whoever wins, like so he Vince pit Kane, and if Kane won, uh, then. Event Austin would Austin said we do we're going to do things the easy way, but if anything else happened, or if Kane didn't win, um, then we're going to do things the three sixteen way, you know, and that's how when obviously the three sixteen way happened, and that's when Bane three sixteen happened, but nevertheless, uh, not a very it was a quick match, nothing special here. In this uh, casting match, even though it was the first one uh, that was held on Raw. So, um, by the way, this list was very. Uh, I'm gonna say putting together this list was was pretty hard. I actually did three drafts of it before I finally decided on the final uh, draft, the third and final draft. Um, so this list putting together this list was hard. Number nineteen. Undertaker versus Chavo Guerrero from the October 31st, uh, 2008 SmackDown. The Halloween edition of SmackDown. This match, no build-up. It was in the spirit of Halloween. Only reason it was brought to the attention of... Uh, I mean, that's, that's the only reason it came about. Was it was in the spirit of Halloween and they won cast match, and Vicky announced at the beginning of the show that it would be Chavo to face Tater. Um, match pretty quick, nothing really special, uh, pretty one sided, and Tater ended up winning. So um, another thing I will say though, going through the history. From start to finish. It was uh, pretty cool. Going back on certain episodes. And certain errors. And various errors. Of you know. Uh, the, through the timeline. I, I really did enjoy that aspect of. In my research of going back. You know. So. I I recommend you do the same. If you ever want to like, go back. And watch you know. The history of certain match type go back to watch you know do your own history research and 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 see what i mean it's pretty cool seeing like the different intros of raw and smackdown and and uh even the pay-per-views you know with with the bid four and then it evolved into in your house and then you know so on and so forth yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun to do, but um, number eighteen, Taker versus Heidenreich from Royal Rumble two thousand five. Ah, this one wasn't anything really big either. Now, I I never was a Heidenreich fan. I never was a fan of Heidenreich. I especially didn't like him when he teamed with Animal. I, I don't think he should have did that at all. 
um, when he teamed with Animal after um, Hawk's passing. Bud Light uh, of Legion of Doom. But, and then a uh, tag team title went out of it, but uh, whatever. Um, what was I going to say? What was I doing? Oh, yeah. The whole thing with Hyde Mike is he hates casters. And he he made it clear in the um, segment prior to the match that he hates casters. So then out comes Snitsky, who's from Raw, and he's like, oh, well, I have a plan, you know, to, calm, to try to calm Hyde right down a little bit. But the feud with Tate, this was supposed to end the feud with Tate and Heidenreich. And I will say, um, if I remember correctly, this was also the time when it was like back at No Mercy when uh, Heidenreich crashed a, his car into the hearse um, back in No Mercy 04, I believe. So it was... Uh, it was definitely a hit rivalry. Um, match itself, it was, eh, it was alright. It wasn't, you know, too... It was, yeah, I don't know, it was weird. Good uh, back and forth. And then, you know, Snitchy interfered. But then Kane interfered. But it turns out Kane was in the casket. Now... I think, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in that match particular, that was the first, I, you know what, I might be mistaken, but I don't know, and I just saw it tonight, that's the, that's the thing, I just watched it tonight, shoot, and I can't remember if that was the first time, no, 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 I think it was open prior to that. Yeah, I might have been open prior to that. What I'm getting at is they did the thing where, oh, the, the casket opens and it's chain comes out, but he wasn't in the prior to that. But you know what? Now that I think about it, I don't think I think that was the first time that it was open and then oh Kane was in the casket. Um the other times it was just um they was they tried to stay away from the casket, I think Heidenreich did and stuff. Because he hates caskets. God, you know, he made it very clear. Um, but yeah, what I'm getting at is, uh, with that is, um, I always loved how they did that. The, clearly, there had to have been a trapdoor somewhere in the casket. And they always had that, um, they normally would have it on the, uh, that, that, Roller the, the wheels it had it on wheels, so obviously you know with a with a blanket or with a curtain over it, curtain fucking um, let a, you know let a tablecloth like not really a no it was a curtain drapes something something covered a cover it was covering the bottom so. The way I see it is there had to have been some sort of trapdoor in the casket for them to get in and out um, when they were supposed to. More on that later. But anyway, 
pretty cool move during the match was uh, Taker had Heidenreich sandwich in between the coffin. He had the lid closed on him, just just on his top half, and then he did his vintage uh, Taker leg drop off the apron and onto the casket. Uh, and in the end, Taker won with the tombstone. One, two, three. I'm sorry, not one, two, three. He put him in the the casket. Uh, easy as one, two, three. Uh, after that, it was all over. So, yeah, it was a very mediocre match. It wasn't that very good. Um, number seventeen. Undertaker versus King Mabel from In Your House, number five, Seasons Beatings in 1995. So this is another match. This is a pretty quick match. Not too long. A little bit over five minutes. Uh, it was around six minutes to be exact. Um, and it was the first casting match not... On the bid four, and what I mean by the bid four is it, w it wasn't featured in uh, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, or SummerSlam like it did previously in in previous years. So that's when they would usually um, have them would be those pay per views. They didn't have any at WrestleMania at that point. Uh, it was just Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, and uh, SummerSlam. But, um, but yeah, uh, also a pretty cool side note, King Mabel coming down on his, on his throne. And you know that the throne is, you had the people, it's like what kind of like what Macho Man had with the, with the guys carrying the, the big throne to the ring. Well, right up front, front and center, you can clearly tell. And I'm sure Matt was there too, but you can clearly tell it was a young Jeff Hardy uh, struggling to lift up the this, this throne with Tin Mirable in it um, as he made his way down to the to the ringside. Now the the thing here was uh, the the rivalry here was um, somehow. Mabel and Moe ended up with Undertaker's Remnants of the Urn, which was melted down to a necklace by Karma. And somehow they held it. They, they, got, the, they got a hold of it somehow. I forget how, but... Um, so they had the Remnants of the Urn. And... Uh, um... What I liked about this one was, it was a pretty cool. The casket was like a graffiti, uh, graffiti covered casket to fit like Mabel, you know, being from the herd or whatever. I don't know. And uh, it, like I said, it was a short match, nothing special. In the end, um, he ended up laying out both Mabel. And Sir Mo, 
into the chastit. And he had them both in the chastit. And then before he shut the lid, he he grabbed the uh, remnant of the urn, you know, the necklace that was, that was around Sir Mo's neck. And, uh, you know, hoisted it up in victory. And then he closed the chastit. And the match was over. But, um... But yeah, like I said, not a very, it was, it was, you know, Mabel had advantage, Tedrick came back, as one does um, when you're under Zader. And that was it. That was that. So it was, like I said, nothing special. Um, and then number 16, this was again, this, this, this was the one I included. Um... King, no. Undertaker versus Vader from March 16th, 1997, MSG House Show, I wrote. Um, it should be found on the network. But like I said they took a commercial break. So I wonder if it was televised somewhere. Maybe only in New York, like I said. Maybe on the MSG network. That's the only logical explanation. Because I think at one point even ECW was aired on the MSG at, at, for the most part. Like you, should, you couldn't get anywhere else. Although we eventually did on Chicago 66 WGIBO. Oh, yeah. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Nevertheless, um... This was, like I said, a week prior to WrestleMania 13. Uh, really quick match. It was the last match of the, the night. And this is prior to Taker going up against Sid for the WWF title. And Vader and Mankind going up against the tag team champions. You would think Taker would win in this one. Because, like I said, he was facing Sid for the title in a week. So you you know heading into advantage, you would think, oh, Tater's gonna win. Tater did not win, <laughs> uh, because they did the thing, and this definitely, this definitely, they only opened it once. I remember. But mankind happened to me in the chastit, and uh, he did the mandible, and just just as. Just as Tedra surprisingly did a tombstone to Vader and he was about to put him in the casket when all of a sudden out comes Mantine doing mandible claw on Tater and then putting him in the casket and shutting the lid, thus making uh, Tater lose. But then after the match, um, Tater got right out and destroyed uh, Mantine and put him back in the casket. And for to go home, you know, to and the show ended. So it was like I said, it was a weird match, a weird one that he lost, and uh, it wasn't anything really special. Um, so that's why it was number. What number are we on? What did I say that was sixteen. At number fifteen, the Undertaker. Versus Rusev at the greatest Royal Rumble. This 
was not only the Taker's last casket match, but the last casket match in WWE as of today. There hasn't been the one since. Um, kind of wonder, kind of makes you wonder if there will be any more in WWE since you know that was a Taker signature, and he's not there no more, and Kane's not there no more. So, will they ever have another Tasker match? We shall see. Oh, yeah. So, um, but anyway, so like I said, it was Tasker's last Tasker match, and it was the height of Rusev Day. So, Rusev had eight English in his corner. Who uh, halfway through the match ended up interfering. Um, Taker almost had the match won, but Aiden interfered. Uh, to, na- to no avail, though, because then eventually, uh, after somewhat of a comeback from Rusev, that he did the uh, the accolade, and he, you know, he, but Taker sat right back up. In dead man fashion, uh, choke slamming, uh, uh, Rusev, and then Aiden English tried to get involved again, and he got a tombstone for his troubles, and then he put uh, Aiden English in the casket as well, and shut the lid on them both, thus making Taker win. The match itself, eh, nothing special again. Just to, just, uh, you know, I it was very quick match. And it happened in Vegas, Royal Rumble, you know, Saudi Arabia. And it was just, eh, it was, it was, it was what it was. And I think originally it was supposed to be Chris Jericho in this match, by the way. So, interesting how that didn't happen. But then again, the way, I mean... That's probably for the best with him. I don't know. All right. Number 14. Number 14. Taker versus The Rock from the May 17th, 1999. This was the Door Home Show. To uh, over the edge. Unfortunately, the same over the edge as the uh, as the Owen incident. But um, Rock headed into this match. He was uh, with an injured arm, so he had a cast on his arm. He was injured. I think, I believe, I want to say Triple H was the one who injured it. Because they were in a heated rivalry at the moment. At the time, I believe. Um, And then this was the midst of the corporate ministry. uh, Era. And. uh, Triple H interfered in the match. And it was a quick match. And with the help of Triple H, Undertaker won. Um, and then after the match, Triple H smashed 
smashed the casket with a sledgehammer to where they go to commercial and they come back and the, the WWE staff and you know is trying to uh, get the casket open because it was locked. And it was, they were trying to, you know, they, they got it open with a crowbar and it was all smashed up. And they didn't show the rock inside it. All they did was open it, take one look, and and just go, oh, we need an ambulance. And then, he, you know, Sarge, Sarge said that. And he goes, we need an ambulance. And then he just closes the casket back up. Like, he looked like, Messed up or something, so I, I don't know. They didn't really make a bit. I don't know. It was odd, very odd. Um, and like I said, not not too you know great of a match. If you didn't see a theme, um, for the most part, the ones that were on Raw weren't that very good. But we do get into some good ones uh, coming up, and on SmackDown too. Uh, coming up. Number four. Uh, that was 14. Number 13. Undertaker versus Kamala. I'm not going to lie. I had this at 19 at one point. Now. Why did it move up so much? Well, I thought about it more. And. You know. It was the first ever Coffin match. Official coffin match. Um, it's almost like you know, like it's almost like the ladder match. So the first ever ladder match in WWF was, you would think, WrestleMania ten officially, right? But then people forget Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels fought for the Intercontinental Title um, in a ladder match, and that ended up on Coliseum Video. So. That was the true first ladder match. Just like Tater versus Warrior was the first true caster match. But instead, they um, this was definitely the first ever official coffin match in WWF. And it was at Survivor Series 92. And those of you who might uh, remember... Um, I, we were grounded from wrestling for the mo- most of the year of 1992. But Survivor Series 92 was the first ever uh, pay-per-view we saw back when we started watching it again. I remember this pay-per-view. I remember seeing this match and thinking, what the hell's going on? Also, for the what it's worth, um, for whatever reason... You had to pin the guy. You had to pin the person first and then put him in the chest. It was very odd. Very, very odd. Um, does I even wrote? I wrote, Tater pins Kamala? Question mark. He had to pin him for some reason and then put him in the coffin. Uh, that was the first and only time that you had to do that, by the way. Um... The other cool thing about this lid, this, this coffin, rather, was that it had a separate lid. It was a wooden coffin, and it was a separate lid. Again, I think that was the only time they ever had a separate lid for a coffin in a chasket match. Um, 
And then, uh, so Seder one, put him in the coffin, and he, and Paul Bear handed him these long ass nails and a hammer, and he literally put the nail in the coffin. <laughs> literally. Um, but, so why did I bring it up to 13 and not, uh, you know, keep it in 19? Well, The nostalgia factor got involved, I think. Because, yeah, it wasn't that good of a match, but it was the very first one. It was history in the making. It still didn't really hold up to the other ones, but uh, it, it holds a special place in my heart, I guess. That That's why. Um, number 12. Undertaker versus Mark Henry from the March 10th 2008 edition of Monday Night Raw. This was on the road to WrestleMania 24, the first ever WrestleMania that my brother and I went to. And this was also a WrestleMania Rewind night, which means that they take, they do matches prior to WrestleMania's past, and they do, you know, do them again. In this case... It was a chastity match from WrestleMania 22 that they did the rematch for. Uh, Mark Henry versus uh, Taker. Uh, and I did not write anything down for this match. Well, I, I wrote it was WrestleMania Rewind Night. But then I didn't really write anything to the match itself. Um, shoot. I will say it was shorter than it seemed shorter than the WrestleMania match. It didn't really do anything for me. And in the end uh, in the end Taker won. So it really was nothing too special. Uh, the Like I said, I liked the WrestleMania 22 match better. That I made it number 11. Uh, WrestleMania 11. Undertaker and Mark Henry. Undertaker, yeah. Undertaker was Mark Henry at WrestleMania 11. Um, I like this one better because... Uh, Henry seemed more dominant in this match prior. Like ahead of time and then but uh Tater still did uh his stuff and then in the end um he came back and Henry had him in the corner and he was doing the uh he went on the ropes and he was punching him but that day of uh Taker an opening to put his hand, to put his arms up in like a power palm position, and he did the last ride, well as best he could, um, on to Dalek Henry from the the the, the turnbuckles. So then he actually lifted him up for a tombstone, 
and uh, put them in the casket for the one, two, three. Um, like I said, it was it was it was the better match of the two that they they had. Um, I think was the WrestleMania match. And fun fact, uh, WrestleMania 22 was in Chicago, and uh, that's the one my friends uh, Chris and Eric and, and Dan were at, I believe, and probably more people, but that's the only thing I know, because Rez is the one that got tickets. Um, we heard about that story in episode 10 of this podcast. My dad, that was a long time ago. Uh, it seemed like a long time ago. But um, where Rez got tickets... Where Chris sold the replica belt that I gave him for Christmas that year, uh, no, years prior, and he freaking uh, for WrestleMania tickets, and then rented out the tickets, but I guess the seats weren't good or something like that. But nevertheless, they were there, and that's pretty awesome. Um, that was the one from uh, Chicago. It was my horizon. Um. Number 10. Well, well, it's the big show versus Undertaker from Survivor Series 90, 90, 2008, excuse me, 2008. We're halfway there, folks. Number 10. Why this is number 10? Um, pretty cool ending, I will say. Kind of weird in the beginning. Um, Taker, excuse me, Show destroys. Well, okay, so the match starts. Big Show is in control. Taker makes a comeback. Um,. And at one point in the match, he has Taker in the casket, but he wants the refs to shut the casket. He doesn't want to go near the damn thing. So then, uh, so he didn't win because then he went to when he went to finally shut it, Taker got out. And uh, so then he show he bit show flips over the casket. He like destroys the first casket and he's walking to the back. Like, forget it. I'm done with this. He's walking to the back. All of a sudden, you see a wall of fire at the entranceway uh, go off. And, um, you know, so. And then Taker comes from behind and attacks him. And then Druids bring out a second casket as uh, Bitchell tries to leave again. To which then show stands the chest. The cast get upright on the ramp, on the entranceway, and he throws Taker into it. And then he, when he sets it up again, he stands it up again, and this time he opens it like he's going to throw him in there. But uh, Taker gets a few punches in, almost knocking Bitch off the stage, to which in return, as a result, Taker threw Bitch into the open casket, which was standing upright, and then it fell, and then the lid closed in one of the most pretty cool, innovative ways to win a casting match by having a lid closed by itself. I thought that was pretty cool. Thus, um, that's how the match ended, and Taker won. 
Um, pretty cool way to end it. Uh, number nine. Triple H versus Minion and Viscera from Smat from the 923 1999 edition of Smackdown. Now, this Smackdown, I said it when did I say it? Oh, I didn't say it in I said it in uh, the major pod group that I'm in, but I I I, I I'm going to tell you now. Low T, this episode of Smackdown Back in the day, it was one of my favorites. Um, this had the Triple H Challenge. This is when Vince made... Um, this is when Vince was reinstated. First of all, he was reinstated by Austin. And um, this is when Vince made Triple H fight all his opponents that he was going to face in that Sitzpat Challenge at Unforgiven. Um, in different matches, so he had to fight Rock in a bull in a Brahma bull rope match. He had to fight Mantine in a boiler room brawl. He had to fight Kane in an inferno match. He had to fight Undertaker in a casket match, and he had to fight uh, Big Show in a short slam challenge match. So. He lost the Church Slam Challenge, obviously. And then he was going to wrestle. He was supposed to wrestle Undertaker in a task match. Um, by the way, well, like I said, he was supposed to. But Tater is like, no one orders him, you know, to do anything. And he leaves. And Vince tries to stop him, but he's like, no. I, I'm done. I'm, I'm leaving. He, he So he left. So this was the very first casting match that did not include The Undertaker. Um, and so um, Vince made Midian and Viscera take on Triple H instead in uh, the first ever handicap casting match. So Triple H puts Midian in the casket and shuts the lid and he thinks he won. However, Shane McMahon came out and said, no, 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 no. You see, this is a handicap casket match. You need to put both men in the casket at the same time. Well, the size of this casket and the size of Midian and Viscera, there's absolutely no way Triple H had a chance to win this match. There was no chance in hell, no pun intended, uh, that he was going to win this match. Um, and so, Midian and uh, Viscera attack uh, Triple H, and Midian, uh, Viscera splashes him, and uh, he rolls him up in the, in the um, cast it and closes the lid. For the win, Midian, Midian and Viscera did a win over Triple H in a Tasty match. Where else? How else would Midian and Viscera beat Triple H than in a gimmick match? 
Wow, that was. But but like I said, it was. I I actually watched that whole episode um, when I was doing my research. Like usually, I would just watch go straight to the test match of the the these events. But for that SmackDown, I I literally sat down and watched the entire SmackDown because I I just it was so great. I, I loved it. Um, number eight. Undertaker versus Goldust from In Your House number 8, Beware of Dodd Part 2, in 1996. This was for the Intercontinental title, the rare, the rare, um, what, what am I saying here? The rare something. Occasion, that's the word I'm looking for. Sorry, I brainboxed. The rare occasion that Undertaker uh, f- was in a Intercontinental title match. Because I don't think he ever won the Intercontinental title, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure he hasn't. Because um, he really didn't go for it. It was either the championship or... I know he was hardcore champion once. Or the tag team championship. I don't think he was ever in a Intercontinental title. But uh, nevertheless, good back and forth match. And again, like the Vader match. Uh, but Mankind appeared in the cast and it would, when it looked like uh, Tater had the match won. And this definitely was the time when they uh, opened the casket a couple times. In this match. Um, so this definitely was. This was definitely one of the first times. Where someone else show, appeared. Inside the casket. And that being Mankind. This was the first time they did that trick. And to this day. I don't know how they do it. I'm sure there's a trapdoor somewhere. That like I said. But um, but you know what. I don't really think I want to know how they do it. To be honest with you. Because. Um, it'll just. Ruin the magic for me, if you will. Uh, but it was so cool. These a match. These a match. And then uh, after the match, um, they lot to test it. But then they tried it back. They tried to open it back up. And while it opened it back up, you see smoke. You see smoke come out of the casket. And then when they opened up the casket, Undertaker had vanished. So where do you go? Who knows? And I really don't remember. So we just, you know, after that. So, um, nevertheless, it was still a great match. Guys, we are at number, what number are we? Seven. Number seven. Triple H versus Kane. On October 28th, my birthday of 2002. <sighs> this was actually a pretty good uh, casting match. Um, I will say, this unfortunately was also... Um, a week 
after the Katie Vitt incident, where Triple H essentially fucked the dead man. But anyway, nevertheless, <laughs> in a cane mask, but nevertheless, uh, <laughs> you know, takers. So, Triple H is, starts off that raw, and he starts it off, and he's, you know, he, he has a test at ringside, and then he interviews, quote unquote, uh, Katie Vick. So, he picks up the mansion, you know, brings her in the rain, he throws her in the rain. And then uh, he's he's interviewing her and he's doing the voice for her and stuff and just you know it was it was something the Triple H would do um, the distastefulness in it all. But then Hurricane came out. By the way, this was also then when I guess a week prior Kane abducted. Triple H and put him in the tar in the trunk of the tar, but then Triple H got out because you know they had the child lock thing inside of the tar where you can just unhook it and then you can just come out. So yeah, that's what he ended up doing. He says, but uh, Hurricane comes out and says, "Well, if nothing happened, explain this." So then I have the surgery. Like this guy in an operating room, and he's wearing a Triple H cardboard face mask with different expressions. Um, and they're just, you know, the surgeons are pulling sh- stuff out of his ass. And then the, la- the very last thing he pulled out of his ass was his head. Was it like a Triple H, you know, mask, like the, the head mask, the, the, the rubber mask? But, uh, and to which whoever put the person with Triple H was said, you mean I pulled my head out of my ass? Uh, it was, it was typical, you know. Um, <laughs> so it was, it, 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 that was something, that was the thing that happened. Uh, Kane came out and then they, he proceeded to, uh, you know, ball with Triple H to the point where um, Eric Bischoff made the match, cast a match later that night. And uh, it was a non-title match because Triple H was the champion at this point. But then um, it was a decent match. Decent match. Now, mind you, this was prior to Elimination Chamber. This is actually, I think, the Raw when Eric Bischoff announced the Elimination Chamber. And also, this was prior to the fact that uh, it was Shawn Michaels start, you know, going after Triple H after Triple H injured him um, back in after SummerSlam in 02. And so... You never knew where he was going to, you know. Triple H wasn't worried, though, about Shawn Michaels. He, he had him battered and broken. He ain't going to be here tonight. He thought, he thought wrong because then, towards the end of the match, 
who comes out of the casket, the out of the chest, the old, the old casket trick, trap door. I'm telling you, it's not even trap door, but he was in the casket and he came out and he super did Triple H, making Kane uh, rise up and Sean exiting and Triple H losing after the choke slam and I believe maybe a tombstone and then he uh, put him inside the casket to which um, Kane wins the match and then uh, Shawn Michaels you know got Triple H again with his revenge. All right, we are almost at number five, but first, number six. Number six Taker versus Randy and Bob Orton at No Mercy 2005. Uh, Taker versus Randy Orton and Bob Orton. This was the midst of the legend killer era of Randy Orton at the time. Um, the, uh, the two-on-one advantage came in early on, uh, came in play early on in the match. They were even able to, uh, suplex, superplex him, uh, Taker from the top. Rope, uh, did Randy and his father. Uh, but then he, you know, at one point, Taker held his own. He held his own. But uh, the numbers game got too much. And, like, for the most part, at one point, he had Bob Orton in a casket. And uh, Orton was going to... Uh, Put Taker in the casket, but then he opened the casket and discovered, realized that his father was in the casket, and then he was hesitant and like freaked him out or something. Caused the distraction enough to for have Taker to um, get in there as well. Oh no, no, to to attack him, and then. He went to open the casket again. Only this time, Bob Orton was ready and he had a fire extinguisher. So, uh, that gave Orton the opportunity to, I believe, do the RKO, if I'm not mistaken, at that point. I mean, I know, at one point, I know he nailed, um, him with an RKO some, at some point in the match. Um, but then, like I said, in the end, the numbers game got too much, and Tedra ended up in the casket, and so did Randy at one point. They were both in the casket, and the lid shut, but then they came out, and then Orton hit Tedra with a chair, and then uh, got out of there and closed the lid, and that was the, that was the end of the match. But then post match, 
Um, Randy took an axe to the top, the, the casket, and doused it in gasoline and lit a match. Um, set it on fire. Um, so that was that. But it was a decent match. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, here we go, guys. Number five. Final five. We're getting out the home stretch now. You know, we're almost done. Thank goodness. <laughs> Not thank goodness. Like I said, I really had fun doing this. Um, but this has been a really long segment. So long that I think, uh, this is going to make this episode long. Which, you know, we haven't had a long, long episode in a while. So, that's that's okay. It's definitely going over two hours, I think. Depending on how... Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Nevertheless. Number five. Undertaker versus Kaba. Believe it or not, at SummerSlam 95. Why is this number five? Why is Kama? Because actually, um, as mentioned, oh, oh, by the way, as mentioned before, um, Kama stole the owner of WrestleMania 11. And then he melted it into a chain, uh, like I mentioned before during the Mabel match. But this match was a pretty great back and forth match. Like Kama held his own against Taker. I think this was the first match also where Taker didn't seem to be like dominant. And like Kama actually like fought back, whereas you know his previous his prior battles with Yodrozuna and Tamala, they didn't really fight back that much. But um but yeah, Tama held his own going one on one against Tater. Um There was a point in the match and I can't remember Oh yeah. There was a point in the match where and Tama was with the million dollar man and the million dollar corporation. So there's a point in the match where Taker's on the outside, and he's and Ted DiBiase's giving him the boots, and Paul Bearer snaps. He like he pulls he 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 yanks off his jacket, and he's trying to you know go head towards Ted DiBiase to you know to fight him, but the refs stop him, and he doesn't get a hold of him. But he's like all oh, he's all oh, he's he's all hyped up. He want he wants a piece of Ted. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, in the end, however, uh, it was Taker coming out, excuse me, on top, uh, once again, in a very hard fought bat match between Tama and, um, Undertaker. Seriously, this is this is definitely a good uh, a good match to to watch. Um, at at in that era, in that time period, 
Let us just go watch it. You uh, go, go back and watch it if you have you haven't seen it A or B. You have seen it, just haven't watched it in a long time. Because like I said, I haven't watched it in a long time, and I I really enjoyed it when I went back to it. Because I remember watching it, you know, that SummerSlam back in the day. But all right, number four, probably the best non pay per view. Uh, casting match to happen happened on SmackDown January 29th, 2000. What was it, 15? I believe, yeah, 2015 on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Kane versus Daniel Bryan at number four. You had. Uh, this was days prior, this was like, prior to, it was post-Rumble, post-Royal Rumble, and it was also, um, meant to put an end to the rivalry between Kane and Daniel Bryan. Uh, great, great back and forth, a lot of close calls, a lot of, a lot of times you thought Bryan was going to lose. A lot of times, you know, Kane was going to lose. And then in the end, Brian, with a high knee to Kane, making Kane fall in the casket. And uh, Brian shutting the lid for the win. For the one. No, not the one to see. The win. Just the win. Uh, great stuff. Great stuff. And uh, Brian celebrates on top of the casket with the yes chance. So, very good match. Uh, that was a, that. That was my favorite non-pay-per-view match that the casket match was featured in, and it didn't even involve the Undertaker. All right, but top three, top three. Number three, Undertaker. I mean, you all know who's left. Undertaker versus Yokozuna 2 from Survivor Series 94. This was the one, yes, this was the one with Chuck Norris. Yes, this was the one where he was put out there to be an enforcer in case anyone interfered. Yes, this is the one where Bundy, Bam Bam, and IRS tried to uh, interfere, but then, no, excuse me, Bundy and Bam Bam tried to interfere, and then IRS snuck in from behind Chuck Norris, who's occupied with Bam Bam and, and Bundy, just, you know, staring at him, not doing anything, but then uh, IRS snipped him from behind and attacked the uh, Undertaker to try to help Yoto win again, but to no avail this time. Double J comes out, and he tries to... Well, no, he's he's trying to make a beeline towards the ring. Chuck Norris stops him. Side shit! <laughs> you know, Chuck Norris kits him to oblivion. Uh... Jared does this like weird handstand flip 
thing. I don't know. It was, it was wild. And uh, that's the only action we see out of Chuck Norris in this match. Uh, meanwhile, back in the ring, Tater, he doesn't, definitely doesn't choke Sam. I might figure out how he wins. But he wins. No, he probably chokes Sam's him. But he doesn't uh, tombstone him is what I meant to say. But nevertheless, he ends up winning and uh, beating Yoto and getting his revenge uh, from number two. Yoto Zuna versus Undertaker from WrestleMania, from WrestleMania, from Royal Rumble 94. This is the one where not only was Yoto Zuna the champion, um, at the time, but also the one where, um, Taito loses. Um, this would be the first one that Taito loses, but, uh, I will say, leading up to this match, the promos and vignettes, that they that they aired before this were pretty epic, um, and this was around Christmas time when they aired them. So just just hearing Tater say "Merry Christmas, Yodozuna," ho, 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 <laughs> and and stuff like you will not have a merry Christmas because you will rest in peace, you know. And then just, you know, emphasize on the double wide, double wide, double deep. <laughs> that, that task it. Um, and then uh, I think this is also the one where he uh, he closes the lid on the task it and there's like the camera man inside the task it. And you hear Paul Bearer say something and I can't remember what he said. But it was just, you know, in this Paul Bear voice, and it was it was pretty funny. God, I, I wish I knew what he said. I, I, it was funny, though, just how he said it and his approach to it. I can't remember what it was, though. Damn it. But nonetheless, this was also the match at Royal Rumble 94 where Yoto had help uh, outside interference. And... Um, Uh, from like guys like Bam Bam and Bundy and uh, Jarrett, like you saw, like I mentioned in the uh, in IRS and the Head Changers, I think they all gained up on Tater to help Yoto win this match uh, and put him in the casket. But then, in the end, post match. Uh, they're pushing the chest into the back. The, 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 the heels. And then you see smoke coming from the casket. To which everyone's like... Oh, you know what it was also? Oh, wait, 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 wait. During the match also, someone knocked over the urn. And like green smoke came out of it. So green smoke came out of the casket. That's what it was. As well. And, you know, the heels start to back up with Jared 
you know, looking at, like, well, what are you all, why are you all backing up? And then he looks, he was the one that looked at last minute, took him a while, delayed reaction, and then he backed up. And then you saw on the screen, we did, like, an inside view of the casket. And, um... Oh, you know what? One thing I forgot to mention about that comma and, uh... I'm sorry. One thing I forgot to mention about the Tama match against Undertaker, that was the first time the SummerSlam Coffin Tam, is what they didn't call it, uh, was shown. So that was the first time they did the Coffin Tam when you see the inside view of the Coffin, the uh, POV, if you will, of the Coffin from inside the casket. Um, so that was pretty cool. But no, um, like I said, back to this match. Post-match, um, you see Tater inside the casket. And then he waits. He, he's laying there, he's, he has his eyes closed. And then he opens his eyes. And you hear the dawn. And he's like, yo, Rosuna, I will never... Well, you know, I will not rest in peace. And then uh, there's, like, lightning... And, like, it's, like, an x-ray shot on the screen. And then he, the, you know, casket explodes, quote-unquote, on the video screen. And then you see the silhouette of Undertaker, like, in an x-ray form, like a black and white. And then he, he rises up. But then, on top of the screen, you see a figure... Like, it's The Undertaker. But it's complete darkness, and you can't really tell, but you definitely see someone rise above the uh, the, the the screen. And it was the coolest shot ever. Um, so, yeah, because of the post-match shenanigans and, and or phenomenons and the, the, the match itself being so uh, iconic, I liked this match prior to the um, over the Survivor Series match uh, even though you know Tater lost I still enjoyed the match good story, good promos good vignettes, good build up and good delivery uh, post match so guys you probably saw it coming but let's face it it's it's the match that almost changed his career, pretty much. Um, number my number one favorite cast match: Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship Royal Rumble. 98. We have we have come to the end the, the, the my favorite casting match of all time great rivalry um, leading in you know th- these two went through hell and back in the hell in a cell 
Um, now, I will say this. At that point, it was definitely one of the more violent caster matches. Like, up until that point, it wasn't really, you know, this was like well into the Attitude Era at this point. So it was more edgier, more hardcore, more, you know. And so there was like chairs and stuff being used and, um, uh, the bat drop. That's all I wrote. The bat drop. And if you don't know what the bat drop is, it's when Tater bat drops Sean onto the casket, to which his bat ended up. That that's the move that pretty much fucked up Sean's career from there. Um, and would make him out of action for four years. After, you know, following WrestleMania that year, he would leave after that. And it was because of that move. At the time, adrenaline kicked in and he finished the match, obviously. But the next day, he was sore as hell. And his bat, you know, his bat was injured. And he had to, you know, hang it up for four years before he came back. Although he did make... He did make appearances here and there um, from time to time. But, uh, and Raw and stuff, as a commentator and stuff. But, um, but yeah. Uh, nevertheless, he still ended up winning. Oh, and then I also... And another highlight I wrote was uh, Crotch Slam. Which, basically... Sean had Tater in the casket. He then proceeds to stand over Tater while in the casket. Say... And do the suck it sign. To which Tater... Takes his hand. And basically... Crotches... Grabs a hold of Michaels' crotch and then just like pushes it out of the casket into the ring or out on the outside or something. Um, and then, like I said, like like the uh, previous match I just talked about, Royal Rumble '94, we had people come out and in, interfere in, in this one. We had like the Los Burritos. And like the the outlaws, and um, and more, and they attacked Tater. Only to which Kane would come out, and we thought that Kane was on the same page as the Undertaker. They had formed an alliance, or they had reconciled, and that was to be not the case. Because then, in the end, Kane turned on him. Uh, Taker helping Sean win the match. And then post-match of that was the first time the Chastity did set on fire by Kane. 
in similar fashion to how Orton and Bob did it with the, the axe and then the gasoline and then the, 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 the match. But, um, but yeah, there you have it, folks. The top 20 favorite casting matches. All televised casting matches in the history of WWF, WWE. Ranked from worst to first. And now, let's close out the show with the three count Q&A. The three count Q&A is a segment where I answer three different questions from three different listeners or sometimes three different questions from the same listener. It all depends on who sends in the questions. Hi guys, well I messed up again. Um, I posted the fan segment post too, too late in the Facebook group again. So I didn't really get many people responding, but once again, Eric Reznor pulled through. So thank you, Rez, for pulling through and uh, leaving us some questions. Otherwise, this would have been a collapsible set this week. Um, Eric Reznor asks, right off the bat, let's get started. What do you think about AEW potentially buying out CM Punk's town chat? Well, what I've been saying about the whole CM Punk situation, it's very unfortunate that, you know, a man I consider to be one of my favorite wrestlers is just I just shit on a bunch of people in the business and then he just, for no reason, other than he's a frustrated old man. I, I don't know. It, it, I, I lost respect for him, like I said. Um, it, it, it sucks. So... So, yeah. Um, I don't know what to... I don't know how to... Um, it's no, I'm not surprised. Let's put it that way. I'm not, I'm not surprised uh, that they're considering that. What I am surprised about is the fact that WWE might even be considering bringing him back. That's, that's what I'm really surprised about. Like, why would you want him back? You saw what he... I, I don't know. I don't know. It's very weird. This whole thing's weird. I, I really don't know. Um, so it's hard to say, unfortunately. Uh, then you also asked, what do... Hold on. Oh, what are your thoughts on Adam Page? Well, I mean... I'm a huge Adam Page fan. Big Adam Page fan. I liked his wrestling. I liked his promos. I wish he was still champion. I I, I mean, no offense to Mox, but I really wish he was champion. Uh, I wanted him to win that match 
um, against Moxley. But, you know, stuff happens. Like, I wonder if he was... This is the stuff that asked that made you think, was he supposed to win or was he supposed to lose anyway? Um, in my eyes, I think he was going to lose, to be honest with you, but I wanted him to win. And uh, one day, one day, he will be AEW champion again, I, I feel like. Um, just not before MJF. All right. And then finally... What are your thoughts on... Okay, so this one was weird, dude. Because she hasn't... She didn't lose. Nyla stole the title. Jade is still the champ. And Jade never lost yet. Um, So, I don't know what you mean by this question. You like, what are your thoughts on Jade Tardo finally losing a match and the TBS championship? Like I said, she did not lose. Uh, she's she's still a champion. Nyla stole the belt from her and is considering herself champion now. Um, so that's a thing that's going on. Well... <laughs> I mean that that that's it. Just like I said, uh, only he answered the asked questions this week, and um, I didn't ask Chris for anything because it was too late. Well, uh, plus I straight up forgot. But I mean, and nevertheless, this has been another episode, and I apologize that it's late. I really tried to make it before. Midnight to uh, finish it, but uh, yeah, that wasn't the case. So apologies for that, but at least it's out um, now, and you can listen to it. Technically, it's still not midnight on the East Coast. Excuse me, this is the East Coast. The West Coast and the Central Time, so... So I still got it out on Saturday, technically, but not in Florida. <laughs> Fuck. All right, guys. Next episode, like I said, we're going to talk about Carolina Classic, DPW. We're going to talk about drawing some names. Or I might do that in a... You know what? I might do that in a live stream. For in the in the Facebook group, how about that? Maybe that's what I should do. So I'll figure out what to do for episode forty-seven coming up in uh, in two weeks. But yeah, I think that that sounds good. Maybe I'll do a live stream of the drawing instead of uh, doing it on air like I did for last year's. Although that was, that wasn't, I mean, I, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I don't know, we'll see. We'll, 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 we'll figure something out. Um, I also got to see if my printer works because I, I got I to gotta do 
I need my printer for something. So, um, this episode definitely was a long one. Uh, we haven't had him in a long one in a few weeks. Uh, so, apologies unless you're into those long ones. Um, then by all means, you're welcome. But, uh, like I said, as always, this has been Jeff Benalia saying, keep spreading the happiness. And John Oliva, take us out. See you in two weeks. Fans, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HappyFanPod. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Happy Wrestling Fan Podcast. And be sure to subscribe and listen to us on various platforms that can all be found on the Anchor app. Until next time, I'm Jeff Manalia. John Oliva, check us out! Rock and roll is like fighting in the ring. We got together to do our thing.